So let's pick up in verse number one. He says, for behold, the day is coming. Now here was this remnant of Israelites. And they were saying that the proud is blessed. They're lifted up. The wicked is lifted up. And we're being oppressed. And the Lord says, just wait. Just wait. For behold, the day is coming. Again, we're talking about the day of the Lord. And this, in this verse, we're going to be talking about the day of the Lord that involves the great tribulation. He says, for behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven. So we know that speaks of judgment. And all the proud, yes, those who do wickedly, they will be stubble. So you say they're blessed now. They're not going to be blessed when all of this works out, when, when, when all of my work is finished is what the Lord's saying right there. And the day which is coming shall burn them up, speaking of the day of the Lord, and it shall leave them neither root nor branch. They're going to be gone. That's what's going to happen to the wicked. Now, I don't believe in, in uh, uh, I don't believe that uh, they're spared judgment. They're reserved for judgment. But they'll be gone from this earth. The wicked will be in Hades. And... Uh, uh, will be on earth. And he says, the Lord, that, that will leave, you know, th that he says will leave them neither root nor branch. Then verse number two, but to you who fear my name, watch this now, you notice here that uh, verse number two, notice that the sun is in caps here because that doesn't, this isn't, referring just to the S-U-N it's also referring to the S-O-N so but to you who fear my name the son of righteousness shall arise he's going to rise up out of the grave he's going to rise up and return and take over this earth and, and the reason he's spoken of with this metaphor of the son S-U-N because Jesus is the morning star he is the light of God and but he's also the S-O-N, the son of God. And he's going to come because he's risen from the dead. He shall arise with healing in his wings. And you shall go out and grow fat like stall-fed calves. Now, he's not talking so much about uh, eating uh, chocolate and, and steaks and those kind of things and getting really fat. He's talking about getting spiritually fat. Uh, and it's because of what Christ has done for us and because he's given us his, his spirit, uh, we're, we're uh, like stall-fed calves. A stall-fed calf is the fattest calf. Now, he's actually fed for the slaughter, but we're being fed for, the, for glory. And, that's, and uh, as John says, when we, when we see him, we will be like him. He says in verse number three, and you shall trample the wicked for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day. And again, there's the day of the Lord that I do this. In other words, it almost sounds in the first part of this verse that the Israel is going to be able to, and or maybe you could speak of the church too, that we're going to be able to trample over the wicked, that we're going to be the ones who get the victory over the wicked. But if you look at the last part of the verse, Who's the one who destroys the wicked? 
God does. It's not our job to punish the wicked. It's God's job to punish the wicked. But you will trample over them, the Lord's saying, in this sense, because they will be ashes under the soles of your feet. In other words, we'll walk on the, where the wicked have been destroyed, we'll walk over that ground, and in that sense, we will, we will uh, trample over their ashes. We will trample over the wicked. Now, we get to these last two verses now, verses, actually the last three verses, verses four, five, and six, and they really are the very last word of God to Israel before the Great Tribulation. Again, you could say the New Testament is, is a word to them, and it is if they're part of the church, but for the nation, this is the very last word that they're going to hear in the Bible. Now, certainly God spoke to them in the inter biblical intertestamental period uh, between the Old Testament and the New Testament. He spoke to them in the New Testament. I think God speaks to them now. He speaks to us now. But as far as being were a word being recorded in the Bible, these are the very last three verses that they hear before John the Baptist comes on the scene some 400 years later. So this is the last prophetic word they hear before John the Baptist comes on the scene some 400 years later. And that tells us that these verses were intended to be a long-lasting exhortation to the Jews, to Israel. Now listen to, to the first verse, verse number four. He says, remember the law of Moses. There's this battle cry that God gives to the nation of Israel. Times are going to get rough. Times got really rough for Israel after uh, the book of Malachi was written. Uh, they, uh, the, they went through the Seleucian Empire, fighting with the, the, the uh, Assyrians, with the Egyptians. Uh, they were captured by Rome. They were, they were later scattered by Rome throughout the wor world. And so they had some really rough times. By the way, today is their 70th anniversary of being uh, the birth of their nation, rebirth of their nation from 1948. And so it's really, you know, now they're really coming to the time where they really need to be re reading these verses right here. And they needed to hear these verses even before that time. Because it says, remember the law of Moses. It's almost like the battle cry, remember the Alamo. In other words, here's what the Lord says. Here's what I want you to remember. Always, no matter what happens to you, I want you to remember the law of Moses. So that they could keep the law, they never kept the law. And they, didn't, they haven't kept the law certainly in the last couple of thousand years. Uh, the last 2,500 years since these, these, these words were written. But God says to them, I still want you to remember the law of Moses. Now, why is that so important? The reason it's so important, it is the law that binds the Jew to God and to their religion and to their nation. And God had scattered them throughout the earth, or God has scattered them throughout the earth, and just now they're coming back into Israel. But in that time in which they were scattered, what kept their identity as a Jew, it gave them their identity of the Jew as a Jew, wasn't their language. They lost the Hebrew language a long time ago. Uh, they, they actually, when Israel was founded as a nation, 
they had to re learn how to speak Hebrew. And the Hebrew that they speak now, they all speak the same Hebrew. It's absolutely amazing that, that all of this has happened in the last 70 years. But they speak the same language. But they don't even know if that was the language that they were speaking uh, back when Malachi wrote these words. They have the Hebrew text. But in the Hebrew text, if you look at a Hebrew Bible, they don't have vowels. So they really don't know exactly how these words were to be pronounced, but they've come up with a pronunciation. And my guess is that God orchestrated that, so that pronunciation is probably right. And you go now, you go to the nation of Israel, and you, you hear them speaking in Hebrew, and they all speak the, 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 the same words, and they all speak with the same accent. So, so uh, they have recovered their language. But it wasn't their language that kept them together over those years in captivity and over those years when they were scattered throughout the world. It was the law of Moses that kept them uh, together, that gave them their identity. So he says, remember the law of Moses, my servant, which I commanded him in Horeb for all of Israel. Horeb is a peak on Mount Sinai. So we know what they received on Moses received on Mount Sinai. He received the Ten Commandments and he received the Mosaic law. And so he says, remember the law of Moses, which I commanded him, which my servant, which I commanded him on Horeb for all of Israel with the statutes and its judgments. And so uh, they did remember the law. There, are, there, there were a lot of Orthodox Jews who were, who were scattered throughout the world and they had their little synagogues and they had their little uh, meeting places and they have hung on to their heritage and they've hung on it onto their heritage by remembering the law in into a win they're to remember it until the end and how are they going to know when the end comes he tells them you got to hang on to the law and remember the law until the end now here's how you're going to know the end is coming behold i will send you elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. He's talking about the great tribulation here. The great and dreadful part of the day of the Lord is the great tribulation. And before the great tribulation, God tells them that I'm going to send you Elijah the prophet. Now, here's where this gets a little confusing. Because John the Baptist came in the spirit of Elijah. And if he came declaring the same message that Elijah is going to uh, proclaim when he comes and he stands on the Temple Mount, John the Baptist came and he came to the wilderness and he cried out, repent and be baptized. In other words, change your ways, prepare you the way of the Lord. And I think the message of Elijah is going to be that same message when he prophesies on the Temple Mount. Well, if they would have received Jesus Christ as their king, then John the Baptist would have been Elijah. God, that would have been, but God knew they weren't going to receive Jesus as their king, so he sent them not Elijah, he sent them John the Baptist. So when you get this thing that Elijah did come, he came in the spirit of John the Baptist, he's still yet to come, and when he comes, it won't be anybody else but Elijah the prophet, the one who was carried away in the chariots of fire, he's coming back. And he's going to be able to call fire down from heaven. And his message is going to be repent from your sins before it's too late. And uh, 
uh, he's going he's gonna, to uh, be joined, I believe, by the other person that's spoken of in this very last exhortation, and that is Moses. And I'm not going to get into all the reasons I believe it's Moses and Elijah. I am certain Elijah is one of, one of the two witnesses. But I believe Moses is one of the two witnesses too because of the description of Moses in Revelation that we looked at on Sunday a while back, but also because he's in this very last passage in the context of Elijah coming. God also speaks of remember Moses and remember his law. So I believe that they're the two messengers and that they're going to stand up against the message of the false prophet. We've been looking at the false prophet on Sunday, and they're going to be the ones who stand up and rebuke that false message coming from that false presage, uh, that false prophet, the the uh, prophet of the Antichrist, and so I have no doubt in my mind that these two men, these two witnesses, uh, who will speak in the great tribulation on the Temple Mount, are none other than Moses and Elijah. And if you're around here and and uh, you, and more than likely because when they're killed. Uh, the whole world sees. I'm sure the whole world will see them speak on CNN. And like I said, when we went through that, that uh, passage in Revelation, uh, they're going to be a novelty at first. I mean, they're gonna, their enemies are going to come at them and they're going to call down fire and they're going to kill their enemies. And uh, everybody's going to say, wow. But then the novelty is going to wear off because the message is going to wear off. The message is going to be tough. It's going to be repent or else spend eternity in hell. Take the mark of the beast and you're going to spend eternity in hell. And uh, so the message is going to be tough and the people are going to want them dead. And eventually the Antichrist is going to come in. He's going to kill them. And then God's going to raise them up and he's going to, they're going to ascend back to heaven. So he, the last verse, verse number six. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. Now, he's gonna, the Lord is going to come and strike the earth with a curse during the Great Tribulation, a great curse. All you have to do is read the uh, book of Revelation, and you can see in the middle part of that book, and you look at the bowls of wrath and the trumpets and the seals, and uh, you see the terrible judgments, the, the, this terrible curse that's going to come up on top of the curse we already have on this earth. And uh, most of the people on this earth are going to die. But Elijah's purpose is going to be to unite the fathers and their children in the Lord, to bring them back to the Lord and not give in to the Antichrist. Most Jews are, uh, most of the Jews are when the Antichrist comes in and he commits the abomination of desolations, uh, then, then we're told in Zechariah, we saw that just a while back, two-thirds of the Jews will be killed. Hey, it'll be okay to be killed then. But worse than being killed, we'll be taking the mark of the beast and, and spending eternity in hell. And that's the other option. Same for those who aren't Jews, but that's the option for the Jew. And so Elijah and Moses have that uh, purpose, and that's the very last word he gives to the nation of Israel. And all of that is about to happen in the very near future. There it is. The Minor Prophets, we're done. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll, we'll be done. Father, we just thank you for your word, and we thank you for the uh, great hope that you give us uh, through Jesus Christ. And, 
Lord, when things seem so difficult in life, uh, uh, help us to remember, Lord, this, this book of remembrance that you gave us tonight. The fact that, that uh, no matter how bad things uh, get, we have a grand future, Lord, as your special treasure, as your children. And, uh, so help us, help us to take that passage and uh, use that to help us to remain pure and not turn from you no matter how difficult the times get. Even when it doesn't seem fair, Lord, help us to stay close to you. Uh, we just, again, thank you for your word. We thank you for all the lessons we've learned uh, in the Old Testament going through. And uh, as we begin to start a new book, Lord, we ask for your guidance to show us where to go and, and uh, what you would have us to learn. We just thank you in Christ's name. Amen.